there's something about that name. I was in the UPS store trying to mail a package, and there was a, a girl in there, probably about 20 years old, and I felt like the Lord was telling me to say something to her. I didn't know what to say. So I finally just said, Hey, what do you think about the name of Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? She looked at me like I was crazy. And then she began to tear, tear up and she began to weep. And I thought, here I am trying to mail a package and I made this girl cry. And she just kept on crying. And I thought, well, I've really blown it now. So I just said, I want you to know that the Lord loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I shared the gospel with her. And she was grateful, but anywho, sometimes it's all it takes. It's just to say, hey, what do you think about Jesus? So Corey's right. Psalm 96, talking this morning about worship. Psalm 96. The next five weeks, we're going to do the five purposes of the church, the New Testament church. Why is that important? Well, we need to know what in the world we're doing here and why we're doing it. We need to know why do we do church? Why are we here? What are the purposes of the church? Why do we do what we do? And today we're talking about probably the most important, worship. Worship. Now a lot of things probably come to our mind when we hear that word, worship. Worship. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Listen to this. We exist, we exist to proclaim and display Jesus. Have you heard that before? That's why we're here. So if you didn't know before why we're here today, that's why. That's why you have a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday. Not so that you can wake up and go to work, but because we are put on this earth to bring God glory. We exist to worship. That's why we're here. That's why we were born. That's why we have a job. That's why we have families. And in our worship, it's twofold. We have individual worship that happens at your house or in your car or riding on your bicycle or uh, just fill in the blank. You and the Lord, just personal. Okay? Then you have corporate worship. Corporate worship. With God's people, on God's day, in God's house. And that's what we're doing right now. This is corporate worship. Now, a lot of people today in 2017, that sounds funny, right? 2017? A lot of people in 2017 just want to stay at home and watch the internet church and uh, watch the TV preachers. And that, that's all good and fine. And, and praise the Lord for those days that maybe we need to just stay home and do that. But there's something powerful and there's something special about being with God's people on God's day in God's house. Something special. Probably 10 years from now, we're going to have, you can sit at home and pull up a church online and have holograms in your house and you can have visual people and all that. But there's something special 
about being here with God's people. Worship. We're going to look at Psalm 96. And before we dive into that, because when we dive into that, we're going to go verse by verse all the way through it. Okay? That's how we're going to roll this morning. Straight through it, verse by verse. So before we get to that, let's just talk about maybe an obvious, maybe not, just a maybe an elephant in the room that when we think about worship, okay? The truth is, is that everyone in here in a church, in our church, and maybe in other churches, likes to sing to the Lord differently. Or maybe they like to sing different songs to the Lord, right? Well, let me ask you this. We have, I don't know how many people are in here today, maybe right here in this room right now, 180, 200 maybe, I don't know. And then you got the first service also. So let's say if we took everyone to Cracker Barrel today for lunch, okay? Now, Cracker Barrel didn't pay me to say that, but let's say that we, we just decided we're going to go take over the Cracker Barrel in Gulfport today. We're going to go take it over. We're going to go swamp it. And we all went in there, and we were in different tables, and you've got your menu, the paper menu, and you know what's going to happen when it comes time for you to order? Some of you people, some of you in the room, including my wife, will probably order breakfast for lunch. Why? Because some of you folks like breakfast for lunch. Now that makes no sense to me. I don't understand that. You eat breakfast at breakfast time. But the truth is, is that we all have different taste buds. That's how God created us, right? Now, those of us that it's really strange. Now, some of you could eat breakfast at, at night as well, right? You could eat it every meal. I just think that's really weird, but hey, you do you. Some of you, if we went to Cracker Barrel today for lunch, you would get the vegetable plate. That's, that, and you would love it. You would love it. Got your four vegetables. You, that's, your, that's, that's all you need, right? And the rest of us would say, that's ludicrous. They have fried chicken and you're getting nothing but vegetables. Why not get the fried chicken and then the vegetables? It's America. Take and eat and see that the Lord made good food. But my point is, is that if we went to Cracker Barrel today, everyone would order something different. Why do you think Cracker Barrel has a menu? Because people like different things. We're all made different. That's how God made us. Now those of you that don't like breakfast for lunch, you could get all upset and frustrated with everyone else ordering breakfast for lunch. But honestly, that's none of your business. If people want to eat breakfast all three meals of the day, hey, that's their life and their business and they have that right. America's still a free country. You know what I'm saying? We need to respect how God has created other people. You don't have to agree with people ordering breakfast for lunch. It doesn't have to make sense to us. But the truth is, now this is confession time, I love hymns. I love hymns of the faith. Grew up in a church that's all we sang. Love it. Grateful. I find myself humming hymns during the day. I find myself singing hymns to my kids when we go to sleep at night. They're just in me. i got to memorize. They're, they're in my heart. Be thou my vision. We sang that at my wedding. 
our wedding. Allison walked down the aisle to that song, and you don't really care, but I, I just had to share it. So I love hymns, and you should too. The Bible says that we should sing hymns. The Bible also says we should sing spiritual songs. There's something special when you hear a new song you've never heard before, and it's powerful. It's about the Lord and who He is. And so I love praise songs. I love praise music. I love it with some soul in it sometimes, by the way. Because that's just when the Lord stirs up inside of you, you should be happy. You should be unafraid to sway and move a little bit. Because Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. We need to get excited about that. And when people come to our church and they come to sing and they come to worship, they will know whether we believe that God is actually receiving our praise. Or they will look at us and say, I don't think they really believe God's hearing them right now. Okay? So Psalm 96, we're going to go through the entire thing. It's basically a song. And it consists of four stanzas. The first three stanzas have three verses. And the last stanza has four verses. So think about worship as we go through this, okay? Do you believe that God's Word is sufficient this morning? Do you believe that? Well, if so, as you look and as you, your eyes go over each verse, I believe with all my heart that the Lord, His Word does not return void. It doesn't. It's alive. It's powerful. So we're going to take it in sections. Three verses at a time, and then we get to the last stanza, four verses at a time, okay? Verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Pause. There's the first three verses. You see it say, O sing. You see the very first in verse 1, O sing. That's an imperative verb. It, it's declaring, it's commanding. O sing. And really that's one word in Hebrew. That O in front of that means to, it commands us to sing with passion with deep feelings. The psalmist, we don't know who this psalmist is. It could be David. A lot of scholars tell us this is David. Some scholars say no. The Hebrew is after David was dead and gone. But the truth is, is that the psalmist is inviting the whole world to sing to worship. You see God's heart for the nations is all through Scripture. You see that? Sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 3, declare His glory among the nations. It's an invitation to join in with the stars, with creation, giving glory, praise. Worship. That word worship means worthy ship. Worthy. It means that God is worthy. 
What does that mean? It means that He deserves our praise. The psalmist basically says that, verse 2, to proclaim the good news that He saves. Hosanna means God saves or God delivers. We should be telling people that God delivers. Verse 3, it says, Declare, publish His glory among the nations. We talk about a lot of things. We post via social media a lot of things. If we're going to declare, if we're going to publish, if we're going to tell some people some things, we need to be talking about how awesome the Lord is. We need to be quick to brag on the Lord. Do you ever do that? you ever just brag on Jesus? you ever just brag on who the Lord is in your life? That's what Christians do. That's what believers do. You brag on the Lord. You talk about the things that He's done. Worship is owed to God and directed to Him. You may say, well, that's pretty simple. That's obvious. Why is this important for us to remember that? Here's why. We can let the, our focus on the Lord, especially in a worship service like this, because we, are, we have flesh and we're humans, we can let our focus drift off of the Lord and how awesome and powerful and how cool He is and go where? Towards ourselves, right? We can fall into a trap of being religious consumers. We can fall into a trap and think, my church exists to make me feel good. We can become religious consumers where we walk in, we sit down, and we get our fill for the week of what can I get out of this, right? How does this song make me feel? How does the, the pastor's sermon make me feel about my life? And, and then we drop off our, our kiddos in the nursery and children's ministry and say, uh, you know, because I tithe and because I give my offering, you guys need to train my kid and you need to disciple them. And then we tell the student pastor, James, to fix our teenagers' problems. That's what we're tithing for. That's why you're here is to fix all the problems in their life. To teach them about the Lord. And so we, it's a very consumeristic culture that we live in. But we need to be careful to remember that we're not coming here to be consumers. We are coming here to participate, to give unto the Lord, right? That's why we're here. We are here to be producers. Producers, that's a big difference. The opposite of consumer is producer. And that's what we should be about. That's who we're going to be about. Okay, next three verses. You ready? Verse 4. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Verse 6, Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Verse 4 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared among all gods. All gods. You see the little g on there at the end of that verse? Little g God. You know what that means? Not real. There's only one God. There's only one living God. 
His name is Jehovah, Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, creator of the earth, creator of the universe. There's only one. In the beginning was God. That's right. He's all-powerful. And we should fear Him. Not because we're afraid He's about to strike us down, but we should fear Him because He's God alone. He's all-powerful. He knows all things. When we worship the Lord, it doesn't matter who's leading us in worship, but when we're singing, we should have a spirit of reverential awe. We should be reverent, and we should be in awe. And that, that should be our heart when we sing to the Lord. Verse 5 says that all the gods of the people are worthless. Worthless idols. Now, some of us may say, well, if they believe that their God means something, then, you know, so be it for them. Well, they have that right. God gives in His sovereignty. He's allowed people to, to choose some things. And so if someone wants to worship a rock or worship a cow, then they can. They have that right. But that doesn't make it right. The psalmist says that all the gods of the people, little g, the psalmist was probably talking about the false gods of his day, the carved out piece of wood, or the rock that was painted up. Why, why do people create false gods? Well, maybe they're sincere and they're just really confused. I believe that that, that happens sometimes. But... Oftentimes, we want our God to be something different than the Lord because whatever our God is, if our God really is not real, if it's an image, then we really don't have to be that accountable to that God, right? We don't have to answer to a rock. We can live however we want. But you don't get that from the God, Yahweh. He gives us commandments. He tells us how to live. He tells us how far we can go and how far not to go. The psalmist says that all the gods of the peoples are worthless. Truth is not relative. If God's Word says that idols are worthless, then they are. He's a jealous God, the Bible says. He's jealous. Well, is it one of the commandments uh, that we're not supposed to be jealous? Don't, do not envy well, the way that God's jealous, the word that the, the Old Testament uses is totally different than the, the word in the commandments. Do not envy. God is jealous for worship that is rightly His. He deserves it. It's His. If uh, you were jealous over... Uh, if, if there's a car in the parking lot, you say, Ooh, I really want that car and uh, I want to knock out the person and take their car home with me and steal it. Well, that would be sin. It, you're wanting something that's not yours. But when it comes to worship, when it comes to having a God, the Lord, He's worthy of that worship. It's His. Comprende? You guys with me? Does that make sense? It's very different. There's a difference. Okay, verse 6. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Revelation 19, verses 13-16. through 16. 
Listen to this. This is good stuff. John had a vision of the Lord. You ready for this? You better buckle up. This sounds, this sounds insane, but it's so cool. It's so awesome. Listen. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on a white horse. From his mouth comes a sharp sword which with which to strike down the nations, and He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On His robe and on His thigh He has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Christ the Lord. Ezekiel had a vision and said that there was bright flashing lights all around the Lord. There was radiance around him like a rainbow. Splendor and majesty are before him. He is worthy. He's perfect. He's holy. The next three verses. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Ascribe. That's a unique word, right? That word means to attribute. It means to give, to name. And so in verse 7, the psalmist is basically saying, Hey families, hey every family here at First Baptist Church, give the Lord His due. Give the Lord glory due His name. Verse 8, if there's any verse you need to highlight or put a mark beside, it's verse 8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. That's what this whole sermon is about. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. That can be our vision right there. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. So come to the church house. Give Him glory, sing to Him a new song, bring an offering, bring your tithe. I think we should give 10% to the Lord and to the local church. Scripture gives a good foundation for that. But if we give money to the church, by the way, if you're wondering, personally, can I just say something? I do not like talking about tithing or money from the pulpit. It drives me crazy. But the reason I'm talking about it because it's in this passage. It's in the Scripture. When I was younger, I thought, do the pastors know how much people tithe? Can I just confess this? I don't have a clue. I don't, have, I don't even know how to get to that. I don't want to know. We don't have access to it. I don't want to know. Don't care. Personally, it's not my business. You don't need to know how much I tithe either. It's none of your business. It's between us and the Lord. But I believe we should give 10% to the Lord. And then, on top of that, we can give also to the Lord. Nothing is better investment than putting, investing in the local church. 
It's biblical. Because we invest in the local church, uh, just an example, part of our tithe goes to uh, help disaster relief, which is happening right now in Hattiesburg. Did you guys know that? There are boots on the ground that your tithe, if you've given money to our church, that it's going to. We have over 5,000 IMB missionaries that our tithe helps to support, feed their families, and pay for their transportation, and help get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And by the way, sometimes we designate money. We write on an envelope. We designate it for these certain things. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you are designating your 10% tithe, and you're writing down this is what this my tithe should go for every single time, I want to ask you a question. Did you really give that money to the Lord? If we're giving money and we're putting our strings attached to it, did we really give it up to the Lord to do what He wanted to do with it? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Well, I'll just give money to somewhere else. Well, that's fine. I just think it's biblical that we should give 10%. The faithful pennies... The faithful pennies of a person that does not have a lot means a whole lot more to the Lord than the occasional large gift. Jesus said about tithing, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, strong language, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, those are spices, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And the Lord told those guys, these, ought, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So basically the Lord told the Pharisees, yes, you should tithe. Absolutely, you should be doing these things. But do not forget about justice and mercy and faithfulness. So, that's enough about that. If we all do our part, together we can do great things. We can go literally to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before Him all the earth. You see that word, worship? That word in verse 9 is a little different than the other, the other worship words. It means to bow down. It means to bow down before the Lord. This morning, has your heart, maybe not physically, you've had a chance to bow down on the ground. But what about on the inside? Have we bowed our heart to the Lord lately? In 2017, it's a new year. Has there just been a time, sometime in this entire year, where our heart has bowed down to the Lord? The psalmist is saying, bow down to the Lord in, in the splendor. Worship Him. Sing to the Lord in humility. And then the last four verses. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, 
For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Verse 10, you see once again God's heart for the people, for all the people to worship Him. The phrase, the Lord reigns. We should be publishing, we should be telling the world, we should be telling the nations that the Lord, He reigns. My God is in charge. The Lord reigns. And we should, as believers, be unapologetic about that. We don't have to apologize that that our God reigns, that He's in charge. We don't have to apologize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Our God, the living God, He created the earth. He created the cosmos. He created the stars. He pays the taxes on the universe. Not you, not me. He does reign. Well, pastor, that may be offensive to some people. Well, you don't have to say it in a mean way. You don't have to say it in a mean way. At the end of the day, the Lord, He is the Lord. And the gospel, it can be offensive. But just because it is, doesn't mean we shouldn't share it. You know, before I was a Christian, it offended me when someone told me about the Lord or who He was. I didn't like it. And I'm grateful that someone invaded my personal space and got all up in my Kool-Aid and shared with me that I was a sinner. And by the power of the Spirit, God showed me my need, my need of a Savior. If we truly love people, we will give them the truth. Also in verse 10, it says that the earth is established by the Lord. You see that? The world is established. It shall never be moved. If all the people of the earth, if all the nations, all the militaries decided to try to blow up planet earth, they may do a lot of harm, but the earth is going to be just fine. If they try to burn it down, it'll grow back. If they try to freeze it, it will melt. The earth is not going anywhere until the Lord wants it to. The earth is firmly established. It says He will judge the peoples with equity. Verse 11 and 12. Let the sea and all that's in it rejoice. Think about the sea. How deep it is. How wide it is. Let the sea and all... There's a lot of stuff in the sea. Right? A lot of stuff. There's things in the sea that we've never seen before. Let everything in the field... Let it be glad because the Lord is coming. Creation groans with anticipation. Not only whenever Adam and Eve, when they royally messed up, not only did it affect them and their families, but it affected creation. Right? We have horrific things in nature that happen because of sin. But the Bible says that creation is longing for the Lord to come back. I believe this is talking about the second coming because it's at the second coming, the Lord is going to come in His glory and He's going to separate the sheep from the goats and the Bible says that He will judge in righteousness. We can talk all day about when that's going to happen, but the truth is most of the world has not heard about the first coming. Most of the world hasn't heard about the first coming. And the second coming, He's coming back. 
He's coming to make all things right. He will bring justice into equity all over the earth. What's right? You ever feel like, you know, that's not right? Well, when God comes back the second time, what's right will rise to the top. And what is wrong will be made right. He is faithful to bring justice. Okay, closing thoughts. True worship is valuing God above all things. True worship is valuing God above all things. Worship was designed to put the supreme worth of God on display. Worship was designed to put the supreme worth of God on display. He may say, hey, I'm just a florist. I just make flowers and sell flowers for a living. I, don't, I really can't worship the Lord. That's not true. You saw in the video that even doing something like that can make a powerful impact on people's lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I don't feel like I'm a missionary or I'm making a huge impact or I'm not even around lost people every day. And Hey, whatever you're doing, if you do it unto the Lord, you're bringing glory in worship to the Lord. I'll just make a plug. I don't think there's a greater job than, than a godly lady or, or a man. Maybe you have a job where you can stay at home to be with your family, to raise up your kids, to fear and love the Lord. So we worship as individuals during the week and with our mouth and with our actions. And we worship in this building in this sanctuary, in God's courts, with our mouths and with our actions. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Worship. Mature believers, mature believers understand that the music is not for us, but it's for the Lord. And mature believers also respect other people's preferences of worship. We should worship people in spirit and in truth. You may say, well, I don't like, how, I don't like that song, how they sing that song to the Lord. Maybe today you're... You're a high school student, and you say, well, I don't, I don't like some of the songs that we sing. Well, we're not singing them for you anyways. And uh, the truth is that if you are raised the same way as other people, you know, think about a person, you say, well, I don't like the song that person likes. That's getting real personal, I know. But let's just think about it for, for practice sake. So let's say that John Doe over here, he's singing this song, and you just think it's, it's not a good song to the Lord. In fact, that song probably offends the Lord. Well, if that song is filled with truth and it's honoring to the Lord and John Doe wants to sing it, let him sing it. It is, let him sing it. If you had the same DNA as John Doe, if you had the same background, if you were raised in the same house, if you had the same parents, if you had the same presuppositions as John Doe, if you had the same life experiences as John Doe, you would sing that exact song that John Doe sings. 
how he sings it, if he had his exact everything. So we need to walk in other people's shoes before we get offended. So at our church, we're going to sing hymns and pray songs. And we're going to get better at it too. Not that we're not doing awesome at it, but we're going to do a better job of it. We're going to preach better. We're going to teach the Bible better. We're going to take care of our kids better. Why? Because the Lord is worthy. And by the way, when we get to serving, we'll have that purpose of the church too. Ministry. Every single person in our church needs to have a job. Every single person. We'll get to that too. Buckle up. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. So this morning, do you worship? Do you magnificat? Do you have a song to sing? The Lord, He's due. He is worthy. Passionate worship. Don't you want our church to be known for that? Passionate worship. Reverential awe. There's people in Papua New Guinea this morning carrying spears and their faces are painted and they're singing these songs to the Lord. They don't have any instruments that we have. They're making these clicking sounds with their mouth and they're singing to the Lord. There's people in Sudan today gathered under a tree wearing hardly anything, which we don't need to think about. And they're singing these songs that we don't, many of us don't understand, but it's bringing worship to the Lord. Now we could go over there and say, hey, we don't like these songs. Are you going to do that? No, we would never do that. But yet we'll sit here in Mississippi and say, well, I don't like the way that they sing to the Lord. It just doesn't make any sense. We need to be respectful. Now, if something's wrong with the song, if it's got heresy, if it's not truth, if it's not God-honoring, then yeah, we should smack them up beside the head and drag them out of the church and go just talk to them and love on them and help them see that that song, that it's nothing in the water. You know what I'm saying? It's the blood of Jesus that saves us. I love Carrie Underwood. I do. Jesus takes the wheel all day. But it's not something in the water that saves us. It's the blood of Jesus. So I just want to say that as we close. Let's pray.